Hello and welcome to this audio edition of the Ex-Mormon Files with host Earl Erskine. Thank you for joining us. On each episode of this program, Earl, a former LDS bishop, interviews a former Mormon guest about their journey out of Mormonism and into an authentic relationship with Jesus Christ. These stories are encouraging, fascinating, and often moving. For more information on the Ex-Mormon Files internet video program, please visit exmormonfiles.com. That's exmormonfiles.com. And now, here's Earl. Good evening and welcome to the Ex-Mormon Files here in the heart of Salt Lake City. I'm your host, Bishop Earl, and again, I appreciate you spending some of your evening with us. We're continuing a discussion we started a couple of weeks ago with Jim Catlin. I hope you're enjoying it as much as I am. Jim's so easy to talk to. And I do want to, again, plug the fact that Jim, Scott Johnson, and Main Street Church sponsor this show and Polygamy, What Love Is This? And so we really appreciate them and the, the love and support that we've we've gained over the many years and our association with them. We, we love them and Dorothy, your wife. And so uh, again, I introduce uh, Jim Catlin. Um, we also mentioned that you produce these shows, but you also work on a, another group of shows or another venture Something. called Sacred Groves. Sacred Groves, yeah. yeah tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, it, it's actually my, my coworker, Scott. He's, he's awesome. He's, he's pushing buttons right now. Thanks, Scott. But uh, uh, yeah, Scott's a, Scott's a great interviewer, videographer, and stuff like that. And, and uh, we realized somewhere around 2008 or 2009 that God was shifting us away from talking about issues about Mormonism to just, to just highlight people's experience finding Christ coming out of Mormonism. And so, uh, so similar to this show, really. Exactly the yeah, same as this show. Yeah. That's why that's why we, God moved us to help <laughs> keep this going because it's exactly the same thing. And most Mormons don't know that if you leave the Mormon Church, there is still a spiritual life on the other side, and there's real community and there's there's life. And then we struggled with what to call it. And so we said, well, these are just people who have a genuine encounter <laughs> with the living Christ, just like Joseph Smith purports to have done in the Sacred Grove. Oh. So we'll call this Sacred Groves. That is where people have had fate, well, face-to-face is too strong, but some personal encounter with Christ himself. Yeah. And that's changed their lives Accepted from that point on. Accepted him as their savior and creator right. and Creator, God. been born again, yeah. things change. And so that's really, it's just documentaries of people telling their stories, but they're extended. You know, we're, we're crushed to 30 minutes right here. Sure. Uh, uh, Scott will just let people talk until they die. <laughs> so, <laughs> until they're done. Huh? But they're fascinating. They're really fascinating what, what's discussions. What's the website for that? Uh, I think if you just type Sacred Groves in Google, you'll get there. You'll get there. Yeah. So I won't go any farther than that because sometimes you okay. get your nets and your comms and your orgs. But, yeah. um, but it's really fascinating. There's long versions of, of interviews. Um, some people who come here, we've done longer versions yeah, there. Yeah, Adams Road people. Adams and Road. And their wives. Yes. And their wives are on there too. Those were fascinating. So some of them go on for just ha- an hour, some for two and a half. So... Uh, but they're really riveting, and and you find a commonality in their experiences, even though they're not coming from the same place or in the same geography. Yeah. And God calls them, and radical things happen. So we want Mormons to see what life is like on the other side, and so that's what that is. Well, we're going to spend a little bit of time talking about that because I think Mormons, and I know I did, I I wouldn't have ever walked into a church with a cross on it. Right. Right. And right. when I did the first time, my heart palpitated a little bit, <laughs> but I yeah. was uh, I was willing to do it because I knew what I call the bad news. Yeah, I yeah. knew about the polygamy and the masonry and all the stuff we've always mentioned, the 
Book of Abraham and all that stuff that's are, that are problems. Mm -hmm. And then I talk about the good news. So maybe we'll right. spend a little more time talking about the good news yeah. now. Yeah. But Mormons don't understand that Christians are out there with values. With values, Would you yeah. address that just a yeah, little bit? Yeah, it's, it's one of my surprises. You asked about surprises. That yeah. surprises me. I, I listen a lot to uh, ex-Mormon podcasts, not necessarily Mormons that become Christians, but many the, of them go John off into atheism, Delenn, uh, John DeLynn stuff. And, stuff. and uh, I, I listened to one whole panel discussion where people said, I'm scared to leave the Mormon church because I think, because I believe that my moral life will just go right down the toilet. Because Well, it's eat, drink, and be merry kind of a concept, right, isn't right. it? And you're saved by right. grace, so you can go do anything, go you, anything want. you want. Yeah. So there was this misconception that that I'm going to turn into a horrible person if I get out from under the control of the, of the Mormon Church. Yeah. Oh, that's just not the case at all. No. And that, that doesn't happen to people who become atheists either. They, they actually have some values. Sure. And they're not... So the church isn't the only source of that kind of moral, ethical value kind of stuff. But well, they're afraid of... Mormons are afraid their children will not have a, right. a, a, some structure. Right. But you have children's programs, youth camps. Exactly. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, so much of that stuff. In fact, when I was working with youth, I, I led nationwide programs for youth that are, have kind of a close uh, equivalence to um, uh, EFY programs that the church does. So, yeah, so really similar kinds of stuff. It's 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 there's morality, there's ethics, there's Christianity, there's joy, there's love. There's I mean it's it's all there. It's not just eat, drink, and be merry. You know. Yeah. So I mean, you have marriage values, marriage values, marital values. In right, fact, I've right. heard more about sex right. and marriage. Right in Christianity that in these four years of Christianity than I ever heard in Mormonism. Yeah. And I think yeah. I think it's I don't know why we bury it so much. It's really a part of life. Sure. Christians yeah. are free to talk about that stuff. I, yeah. I'm not sure quite why we don't in yeah. Mormonism. I think it's because we just I don't know why it is. We have these <laughs> temple marriages. We're right. kind of stuck with each other and right. we don't talk about Fidel well, fidelity we do, but not intimacy and yeah, and yeah. the special nature of things. I, I don't know. We have a different perspective. Yeah, and in, and in the healthier Christian churches, what I see is people who are willing to be very transparent in their failings because because they don't want oh. it to be part of their life. And you know that's not part of it's not part of any sacrament I ever went to. You know, no Mormons are very quick to say, "Well, I know I'm not perfect." Right. That's usually right. what they say. Right. But to call yourself a sinner, right, and to say that I'm a, a sinner in need of a savior, right, we well, just don't do that. I, I've seen people get up in Christian churches and recount a very embarrassing thing they've done, and say, "I don't like this about myself." So I've you, heard pastors say it exactly, and say, "Well, you pray for me, and you know, we we just, just don't want to go there." And it's it's not a ding on your reputation in a Christian church. Well, we know that we're we're both sinners. You've got some right. sins, and I've right. got others, and we come before God. Un unholy. Needy. We need him Needy. Exactly. because we need his grace. Right, and that's a, that's a backbone of Christian community is that we're needy for yeah. him. Not only when we come become saved, but from every day after that, we're needy of him. There's nothing embarrassing about that, yeah. and there's nothing we don't have to try to look good because he's remaking us. I I remember going to a church service back in California. It surprised me. There's a thousand people that got together on Sunday nights and. Uh, it was a more of a contemporary service, but this one guy got up in the middle of the service with this with his remote mic and said, "I want to tell you what happened to me this week." And he told the story about being ripped off in a business deal and how he just basically chewed the guy out right on the spot. And uh, and he says, "And you know what? This week I went back to that guy and apologized to him. And I said, I apologize to you for ripping your head off. Uh, but he says, but that's why I need Jesus, and He's changing me in that. And I thought, well, who admits this in front of a thousand people? 
But that's but that's really that's the healthy ethic of of yeah. Christians. You see Jesus in the New Testament, and he's he's dealing extraordinarily compassionately with people who have wretched reputations. Go and sin no more. Right. Go yeah. and sin no more. And that's why he said, "Hey, you know, I didn't come for the people who think they're healthy. I came for the people who know they're sick." And that should be yeah. that should be the backbone of the real Christian church experience, not trying to maintain kind of an outside cleanness when the inside is just rotting away. So. Well, I made a comment a little earlier. I, I had mentioned that I felt like in some ways my family didn't see a great difference in me. Right, Because right. I was a good, faithful Mormon before yeah. and always kept the word of wisdom, always temple-worthy and all that. And I haven't changed. I still haven't smoked and drank and all those things that I could do now. What? Yeah, I know. <laughs> but I'm just, you know, and so I said that to them. And, you know, the first thing they said was, Dad, you're not as judgmental. You're yeah. not as proud yeah. as you were before. Yeah. And yeah. the judgment that we have as LDS, I think, is, I mean, to sit next to somebody or be aware that someone smokes or does something is, as a Mormon is. Or people checking out to see if someone's wearing their garments, their gar yeah. you know, that there's kind of so thing. There's just so much pride and so yeah, much there's a lot of There's a lot of pride in yeah. that. But, the, but in the Christian church, it's not supposed to be like that. Jesus, no. Jesus gets up in, you know, a synagogue in Nazareth early in the Gospels, and he reads out of Isaiah 61. Yeah. And he says, I'm the one who's come to bind up the brokenhearted. And, yeah. and that's what he does his entire ministry. It's a and, joyful message. And that's what he continues to do now. You know, yeah. we come to him. You see the sacred grove as we come to him. He changes the course of our life. We're born again. But that the, the remarkable truth that most people don't know is that he's active changing us from the inside out after yeah. that. I had a problem with lying, tremendous problem with lying. And, oh, I was a great liar. I still can be a great liar if I try. Poker face Poker guy. Poker face, huh? yeah. And, uh, and over time, I didn't try and eradicate that out of my life. He just, he just grew an extreme distaste for it. And to where you knew it was happening when it was happening. And, and I just hate it, and I don't do it anymore. And I didn't do some program to renovate myself. He's done that. So the secret most people don't know, that's what sanctification, that word means, is that he's, he's active us. in our hearts to change us from the inside out, and then yeah. suddenly fruit appears on the outside of our, heart, of our lives that reflects the change of our heart on the inside. And he does that, and we can stop trying. He does that, and it's real, and I can give you lots of examples. So... A couple of other things I know that Christians do that Mormons probably don't know they do. Maybe they do, but service projects oh, and missionary tons work. Of service projects. There's a lot of missionary and service. I mean, anytime you hear anything on the news about soup kitchens and people right. helping this or that, you can almost be assured wow. yeah. that it's a Christian group doing it. There's great passion behind that. I've got some friends who who left to go and translate the Bible for a, a tribe in New Guinea that didn't even have a written language, had oh to invent goodness. the language. They've done that their entire lives. They've spent their entire lives as missionaries going there and, and creating a written language, teach them how to be literate in the written language, translating the Bible for them in their idioms and giving it to them. And at the end of their life, all they'll have is the Bible in one small tribe's language. And to them, that's worth it. So you see a lot of that kind of thing. And it's funny because um, Mormons are going out doing missionary work, yeah. but they're converting people to the church, to the church right. of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. They're right. not converting them to Jesus. Yep, they're converting yep. them to the church. Right. Isn't that an interesting yeah, difference? Yeah, and my friends who are in New Guinea know that if someone gets the Word of God in their hand in their language, they're going they're to gonna start a Jesus. relationship with Jesus. Yeah. And they don't care what church they go to after that. 
that's the essential. And, and you know, for any Christian church, that is the essential, is that relationship. And Mormons, all they, f they pay their little fast offering. Yeah. And they yeah. pay their, support their missionary, pay the missionary, and pay their tithing, and they just kind of feel like, okay, I've kind of done my... I'm getting it done. Done my duty. Yeah, I've checked, yeah. done my works. And right, right. Interesting. Yeah. But from the New Testament perspective, it's not about us changing ourselves yeah. and, and making ourselves, you know, progressively better. It's about us saying, I'm messed up, and, and you know, putting our hands out to God and say, God, you need to change me. And he will, and he does. Well, you've kind of verbalized it, but let's spend just a minute on grace and works. Yeah, let's so do that. So grace, what is grace? Grace is what gives us, what God gives to us that we can't earn and we'll never be able to pay back. And we never have deserved. And we can never do enough. Never do enough. To pay it. Exactly. In Mormonism, you are bound when you do what I say. Right. When you do not what I say, you have no promise. That's in the Doctrine right, and right. Covenants. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I messed it up, but that's basically what it says. You're, <laughs> You're starting to forget, Earl. <laughs> but where does that fit into grace, do you think? Yeah, and it doesn't because grace, it continually, it's shown as a gift. It's a gift, it's a gift, it's a gift, it's a gift. So a we gift. don't put God in our debt, right? We don't put God in our debt, and he freely gives to us like a father would give a great gift to a, a child, right? Yeah. And it would be an offense for the child to say, I need to earn this or I need to pay it back. You know, it's not contingent or on Or give the gift and say, now... You get the gift, but you're going to have to pay me a little pay bit. Pay me a little bit to pay I, it back. I paid a little bit more right, than right, I should have right, for right. this. I yeah. heard a great example yeah. of a, a person, uh, it was on a show recently, but um, about a, a person standing at the door with a gift, and yeah. here's this gift that God has given us, and we just have to open the door and accept this free gift. Exactly. Now, it, it, it costs me something, and most people get confused when I say this, but when I, on that New Year's Eve, when I decided that I was going to follow God, yeah. I had to consciously give up a, an alternative track. I had to give up my life, in a real sense. You get this when you read about Abraham in the Old Testament. Abraham was called out of Ur of the Chaldees. God said, come to where I'm going. I'm not going to tell you exactly where I'm going to go, but it's going to be over there. And, you know, if I was Abraham, the first thing I'd say was, well, tell me more about it so I can see if this is a good deal, <laughs> yeah. right? But God says, no, all you got is my promise, and I'm going to be there. Will you follow me? So he had to, he had to leave behind a whole old life. My faith. And we all, when we follow Christ, leave behind an old life. We, it costs us everything. But it's not that we can earn it. We just give it all up, you know. And when God approached me on that New Year's Eve, he basically, you know, in my vernacular, he said, so here's the plan. You can have yourself or you can have all of me. Are you in or are you out? What do you want to do? Are you in? Are you in or out? And I'm basically, I said, well, I guess I'm in. So I didn't earn that. No. And I received it totally as a gift, but and I had to leave everything behind. And you didn't glorify yourself by accepting no. that gift. Because gifts well, can't be earned. Yeah. So, yeah, so it really is an offer that costs me everything. The, Jesus told that parable about you know that big treasure in a field. So you go and you take everything you have, sell all you have, sell all you have buy that because that's the most valuable thing. It'll cost you everything, but in a way you can't really earn it. You no. know, it's just there. So, yeah. so that's that's very much the message in the New Testament and the Old is here's this God who understands that you have a problem with sin, you have a, you have a problem with this thing that contaminates you, it's like a cancer that you've inherited from your forefather uh, Adam. Adam. You know. And God says, I've taken care of that problem. There's a way out, and the way out is through Christ himself. And all you have to do is trust what he's, his work for you yeah. and stop trusting your work. He that believeth in me hath everlasting life. Yeah. It's just that simple. It's just that simple. Yeah. yeah. 
So I guess you heard Mormons what they think about the Garden of Gethsemane. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That shocked me. That that, that was on my surprise big list. One? <laughs> yeah, because I've asked Mormons when they talk about that. I'd say, so what if he didn't go to the cross and die? Would things still be okay? Would we have the atonement? Wow, I've never thought of that. And you know, well, most of them never. I've never gotten a good answer to that. Wow, I've got to think that so, one through. What so if he'd never no, gone to the cross? Isn't his death necessary for the atonement? Yes. Well, then the atonement took place on the cross, don't you think? Yeah. So. And I love it when, when Peter cuts off Malchus's ear and yeah, Jesus yeah. says, don't you know that I need to go drink this cup? Or, right, this uh, is, I gotta I do this. Paraphrase, this but. I gotta do this. I've gotta do this, which, yeah. which was after the Garden yeah. of Gethsemane, which means it wasn't done. Exactly, exactly, yeah. So you, you get that chronology right and then suddenly yeah. it gets kind of clear. And then yeah. like you were talking about uh, a time or two ago about the temple yeah. and the sacrifices of blood that were made in the temple for right. sin. Right, the constant reminder that sin incurs death. Yeah. And something will have to die on your behalf if you're going to stay alive. And so that's where the cross really... And that's where the cross comes from. It happened as early as in the Garden of uh, uh, Eden. In Eden, you know, they sin and, and they, have to be, they have to be covered up by the skins of animals. Something had to die to cover their sins. You know, another funny thing, so. and I think we've talked about this before, but the fig leaves. Yeah, fig leaves. That yeah. are in the temple. <laughs> Who was the one that came up with that idea? Exactly, yeah, I you know. know. That was either what? Adam and Eve or Satan. They yeah. said, you know, go, go cover your nakedness. Right, right. Then God slays an animal to, right. to make coats of skin for Adam so and we'll Eve. So we'll start getting the idea that something's going to have to die for yeah. our sin. And you don't have to die necessarily. God's got another plan in store. And then John the Baptist, he sees the Lamb coming to be yes, baptized. Yes, Lamb he of says, God. Behold the Lamb of God right. that takes away the sins of the world. And through him and him alone, I can't add anything to that. Yeah. It's sufficient. It's sufficient. Yeah. Isn't that a, it's I a, mean, that joyful message yeah. is so simple. And I've actually said it's God-like. Yes. Yeah, I mean, yeah. to, to make anything more complicated, God just doesn't do that. It, it's, doesn't, it's not about rituals and religion. Well, and, remember he chastised the apostles because they were trying to shoo away the kids. And he says, hey, wait, you've got to be more like them yeah, to, to grasp right. the kingdom. So it's got to be simpler than it's being made out to be in the false cases. Yeah. You know, whenever it gets too complicated, I get a little suspicious. Yeah, and when you when you were talking about this eat, drink, and be merry concept that yeah. the Mormons yeah. or the people that don't really understand, I've never met people with more <laughs> higher no. values. I'm, I'm still looking for the eat, drink, and merry Christian. Yeah, people. yeah. <laughs> well, truly, those that have yeah. had their eyes open and have accepted Jesus, He dwells within them. Right. Know you not that you're the temple of God? Right, right, right. And so we are the temple. We're the temple. He's where, that's where we meet him. That's where we meet him, right inside here. So we yeah. want to keep this clean. So we want to keep it clean. We want to do right. our right. best. We're going to keep sinning. Right, but right. But we keep... But we rely on his work on our behalf, not on our work for our behalf. And we're still as sincere. You know, when we talk about miracle of forgiveness, you know, sincere repentance and all that kind of stuff. We're sincere about repenting. We're just saying, I can't change it. God, I need you to change this in me. And yeah. he does. So it's really a giving up of our own ability to think we can fix ourselves. Because in the end, you find pragmatically you can't. Yeah. So. I guess you've run into the phrase burning of the bosom. Burning in the burning bosom. Burning in the yeah, bosom. Right. Yeah, pray about the Book of Mormon. Right, right. Uh, we never read that about the Bible, that we're supposed to pray about it and get a burning in the bosom. Isn't that an amazing thing? There's, there's nothing in there that says you need to test this somehow. It just says, here it is. Here it is. Here it is. This in is fact, God's Word. John, John writes at the end of his gospel, he says, in, in my paraphrase, I've given you enough information for you to get it. 
to, to figure it all out. I mean, you could literally show up on a desert island with just the Gospel of John and get the entire Gospel. It's, yeah. it's in there. And so, so it doesn't say you need to go prove it somehow. It says this is it, you know. <laughs> and, that, and the truth of what's in that book radically changed that part of the world in the first century and if it wasn't the death and resurrection of Jesus you're going to have to come up with something as powerful and as earth-shaking but there is no other alternative oh, wow. so now I know you've done some of your own investigation and own yeah. study about things and you've got a couple of things Joseph Smith and the Book of Mormon do you want to address a couple of those issues well, yeah that there's did some study on and there's some there's some logical issues that I've always tripped over as an investigator I think I consider myself a perpetual investigator of Mormonism yeah. but some things some things just are they just go against logic you know for instance the, the, there's four things with the Book of Mormon that just confound me and I, I've never been able to get around you know and so, like, for instance, it talks about the general, the great apostasy, the great apostasy. That doesn't make sense to me because Jesus told the apostles in John 14 that they would do greater work than him, and then in the next chapter 15, that their work would remain. And yet the great apostasy says that when the apostles died, it all fell apart. Yeah. So every one of the apostles... Failed. Failed. Jesus utterly failed. Utterly failed to confer the priesthood on anybody else. Utterly failed. So I, that doesn't make sense, and that's the, that's the backbone of a lot of the Book of Mormon. Really, is this this utter failing, yeah. you know, the need for the restoration, the plain and precious truths that went with that. You know, First Nephi thirteen. When it talks about those, I ask Mormons, what are the plain and precious truths that are lost? And I get blank stares. And I said, well, I can make a stab at it. I think it's probably everything you believe that I don't. <laughs> well, okay, that sounds right. I said, well, okay, great, like baptism for the dead and sealings and stuff like yeah. that. I said, where is it's not in the Bible. And it's also again not in the Joseph Smith translation. And not in Joseph Smith translation, but most importantly, the Book of Mormon. It's not in the Book of Mormon. Yeah, isn't that supposed to restore those truths? Yeah, it has very little Mormon doctrine in it. So I don't get that about the Book of Mormon. If it's the restored truth, what happened? You know, yeah. the Book of Mormon lands officially. The church doesn't know where it is, and that's okay. <laughs> What? The archaeology. I've never gotten past that. And that's the official stance of the church. We don't know, and that's okay. Yeah. So, we just operate on faith, and right. eventually we'll get to know. And right. nobody ever thinks that, gosh, maybe there was, maybe there is no place. Maybe, maybe there's no was. place. In fact, it doesn't maybe it was fit, made up. <laughs> it doesn't fit any sample geographies anywhere in the New World. No. So that's a problem. Uh, even the one that most confounds me, you know, uh, Jesus comes to the New World in 3rd Nephi, right? Makes right. an appearance leaves absolutely no evidence behind. And it's an interesting contrast because, again, I'm, I'm using my measuring stick from the old world. He has a three-year ministry in the old, old world. Old world. Boom! Changes. He's everywhere. Changes the clock. <laughs> changes for, for time. It, right. And yeah. then he comes to the new world. Psst, nothing. And it's interesting, not too. They lived in peace, it says, right. for 200 years. 200 years, yeah. You know, it, it's amazing. So you would think it would flourish and they would leave behind, yeah. you know, in the old world you have architecture, yeah. and churches and stuff, right? And just tons well, of stuff. Drawings on the wall. Artwork. Something. Something. Yeah. And there's yeah. nothing in the old world, in the new world. So that... Somebody was talking, too, about the language of uh, 421 is when the Nephites were right. destroyed. Right. Where the... Could the Hebrew language have completely disappeared, or the Reformed Egyptian, whatever. Right, right. Completely disappeared appeared a thousand years later in 1492 when Columbus came. Yeah, that's a B.H. Roberts problem. If it you was. Read Beckham, that's you know, right. He looked at that and said, you know, I think they got something here. Yeah. yeah that's a problem. You what just are we going to do about this? can't change language that fast, you know. Yeah. So. And then you had a couple of things on the, well, uh, Joseph Smith. And then Joseph Smith, he's again, he's a conundrum to me, you know. Yeah. His prophecies that don't come true, ah, that's a big no-no. And it's, yeah. you know, it's not just 
you know, your earned run average, you got to get them right according to the Old Testament. Yeah. And then they're documented. So those, yeah. those have always stuck in my cry and have never understood that. The, the Joseph Smith translation, the inspired version, why it's not used? He's and he's made this available and it's not published by the church. And I, you know, I hear arguments about it never got finished. But ah, history of the it church says, says it was. Yeah, and, and he put himself into it. Put himself into which it. Which is yeah. so funny. That's that's a problem. The the uh, DNC one thirty two ever new and everlasting covenant. He kept this revelation to himself for his entire life. He never revealed it to the general church. Few of the upper guys, and that's the polygamy one, right? But that's yeah. celestial marriage. That's yeah. the backbone of celestial How important marriage. Is that? Why would the, pro the founding prophet of the church keep celestial marriage as a revelation secret from the church's entire life? Does that does that make sense? To it doesn't you? make sense. It was interesting to me too that Jesus and Paul never talked about that, and they never talked about it either. So thing. maybe maybe it's not a revelation. <laughs> I don't know. And and the last one I have about him is that the easiest way to test Joseph Smith is to test the current prophet, because the t the keys get passed down, you know, serially in succession. So if I if I think if I if someone claims Joseph Smith really had something prophet seer and revelator then the guy today should have the same thing and yet I go to conference and I watch I don't see it you know and and who did they turn the scrolls over to they Hugh Nibley or somebody you know, right, some right. professor rather to, than to a the, professor to, rather instead than, of the prophet seer and revelator right and there's the prophet seers and revelators aren't prophesying or seeing right. or revealing so well let's leave on a real positive let's go note positive, we've yeah. only got a couple <laughs> minutes left what do you say to the LDS people and to people that might be questioning or even have listened to this and maybe think that well for one thing there's life outside of Mormonism. There really is. There's yeah. community. There's love. There's joy, and, and it's not just it's not just a function there's of the people. There's worship and there's music. Worship and, and, yeah. and Jesus is very central. And and the thing what motivates me is I want Mormons to come and find this real Jesus who's real and alive, encounterable, right now. Sean McCrane used to say people have to have a uh, what did he call it? Like a paranormal experience of Jesus, <laughs> which <laughs> puts it kind of in the you know yeah. crazy file in a sense. But it's not crazy. It's real. I mean, you look at sacred groves, you'll find people who have really encountered and been changed by an encounter New with creatures. Jesus. New creatures. New creatures. Yeah. And Paul says, "Look at things." I've been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, who who loved me and died on my behalf. So this is. This is a radical experiential change for people, and our heart's desire is that they find this, because Jesus is remarkable, just remarkable. Well, it is such a joyful message, yeah, and yeah. Uh, I, I don't even know how to express, after 65 years, how, how appreciative I am to God that He would lead me and, and let me in on this really isn't a secret, but it's uh, something that... We are uh, all so deeply grateful. It's just crazy. Anyway, we appreciate you watching and hope you've learned something, and we'll see you next week. Good night. This has been the audio edition of The Ex-Mormon Files. The Ex-Mormon Files is a production of Main Street Church of Brigham City. For information about this program, including past and current video episodes, please visit exmormonfiles.com. From there, you can also download audio episodes of this program. If you have an ex-Mormon story you would like to share, we'd love to hear from you. Please write us at contact at exmormonfiles.com. Thank you for listening, and we hope you'll tune in again soon.